0: Elizabeth. And today we are going to be exploring pathways to freedoms with heart centered thought leaders. And today we have on the air Sharon Crowley from Ohm Center of Healing in St. Paul, Minnesota, where she owns two harmonic eggs that are self healing containers for people to go within and help themselves heal back to their natural state of health. And this is Elizabeth Sullivan, who is your host from Soul Sovereignty. And my my hope and mission in the world is that people also really tap into their own great potential for self-healing and full potential. And so Sharon and I share a lot of that in common, and I'm delighted to have her co-hosting with me on today's show, Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Wonderful to be here with you. Well, it's a privilege and an honor to have you with me. Um, and I'm excited because today we're really going to be looking at the topic of self-healing and sovereignty and how people find their pathway to freedom when they start tapping into their own self-healing abilities. And I thought, um, Sharon, you and I could talk for a little bit here at the forefront of the show around kind of what are some of the preconditioned beliefs and possible myths that get in the way of us really tapping into that self-healing state that is available to every human, every living consciousness being on the planet and that is part of our birthright. Um, it's what, who we are and what we're born into. Uh, but there are certain myths, I think, and beliefs or preconditioned beliefs that maybe we swallow whole at the beginning and, and we kind of forget about this ability until we start to realize that it's always sort of supporting us and guiding us.
1: I think, I think for me personally, not only have I experienced it in my own life and my family, Um, but, you know, it, many, from the very earliest stages, we are taught that we should respect authority and we go to those that, um, are knowledgeable about such things, especially when it is something like your health, which we all feel is really at the top of our priority list, um. But I think what I see a lot of the time with folks that come in here is they're confused because they've been to many, many people who hold advanced degrees and certificates and are considered experts in their field. And yet they have no idea what's wrong with them. And in many cases are told there's nothing wrong with you, even though they've had symptoms and illness for years and years. And so typically by the time they start going within... Um, They have already exhausted everything on the outside, outside of themselves. And so the part that I get super jazzed about is when people start listening to their own inner voice. Um, But, you know, I think it's like we like we've talked about before. It's those myths that keep you, they almost block you from connecting within.
0: Totally. And I, I have to agree with a lot of what you're, you know, with what you're saying there, because, Um, That myth or preconditioned belief that to give um, away the authority to someone else who may know better, but no one knows you better than hopefully you, (laughs) right? Right. And the greatest journey is to understand and go within um, and really drop into like what keeps me Elizabeth, or you, Sharon, in a state of self-healing, because what might be a stressor for me and might cause me to go into some disequilibrium may not be for you. Um, exactly. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all in terms of health. And I, I think that's maybe myth number two, right, is that um, that it is a one-size-fits-all. And, and while we might see patterns or symptom patterns and have some suggestions of what might counter those symptom patterns for each person that may resolve it, but it also, they might need something else. And unless people are willing to kind of tap in and slow down and see what does my body, mind, spirit need. um, In my line of work, uh, Soma, Soul Sovereignty, where we look at yoga, Ayurveda, somatics, and energy healing, Um, Soma means body, mind, spirit unified and and in balance and supporting one another. I mean, that's one definition of Soma. It has many. Um, But it's that sensing and feeling from within and really turning that on so that it can help you pay attention when you're starting to feel to go out of balance and maybe catch it before it gets deeper into the out of balance state.
1: Well, and I think um, I, th- I think I think for me personally, I was able to make sense of it once I did study the Ayurveda, as you have mentioned. Um, but in in understanding that each of us are made up of varying degrees of the elements, you know, whether it be air or earth or water or fire, that was the first time I was really able to put into words or organize my thoughts around the idea that. Uh, you know, I'm typically the exception to the rule and I never understood that, you know, and so many people feel like they're the exception to the rule. And and I think maybe that's another one of the myths is that just because there is, um, you know, a, a disease that is a collection of symptoms and so therefore there is a name for it, it does not mean that every individual will experience it the same way and therefore is it really the same disease as the person uh, next to you that you don't know has? like, Or is it something where you have a lot of symptoms identifying that there is a, an imbalance in your body? So going to the root cause of what that imbalance is, I think, is a bigger question than what is the name of the disease, which is the collection of the symptoms,
0: Absolutely. And if we even break down that word disease, Sharon, it's, you know, it's DIS, if you put a space there, and then ease, right? You're not at ease exactly. with yourself. You're not at ease with how you're living in the world. And there's so many things that we're going to get to in the show around what are some routines that have been supportive for people keep Keeping people in a state of balance, keeping people in a state of ease. And again, even those suggestions are going to um, need to be, you know, experienced by the person and their own self-discovery of like, oh, yeah, that works for me. Or, hey, no, that doesn't. Like it took me a long time to realize that I could have very little coffee um, because, of, because of how my, my nervous system works before it would affect my nervous system because I wasn't paying attention to some of the the moments when my body would whisper. What would happen is I'd have a cup of coffee and then 20 minutes later I would notice like my fingers get, you know, I'd get more fidgety and maybe not be as calm in my mind or in my breath pattern. And once I realized that I was like, Oh, I, I, you know, maybe having coffee every day, isn't the thing I need to do. Maybe not as much, maybe I switch it out for tea And I got to start to play. I mean, this is a minor thing, but but it was a daily routine that I was doing that was actually causing myself to not be at ease and calm and focused and I could affect change. Um,
1: And I would say further to that, not only does it do you find that you can kind of remedy some of those fidgety things, the idea that it's could possibly be throwing off your nervous system in ways that you're not even aware of that are affecting you. So it, it can affect, you know, an hour down the road in your job. And if, if you're not fully paying attention, that can cause a lot of stress. So like, like the ripple effect of your nervous system, not being in balanced can show up so many ways in your life. Yeah. Where you're just caring for your nervous system with little things and being aware, like you said, of this is what trips me up. It's not just that fidgeting. It's all of the other ripples.
0: Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, going back to one of the um, areas that you and I both share in common and love Ayurveda, which is the science of self-healing. And it's thousands of years old. It's the sister science to yoga, which is the science of self-realization, And, uh, Sharon and I have both, um, spent some time learning Ayurveda in order to support ourselves and support people we work with. And one of the things you brought forward is this idea of our elemental nature, which is, you know, from the heaviest element, which is earth, right? That's really physical, concrete, um, to water, which is, you know, a little bit more fluid to fire, which is like our metabolism, our intellect, our ability to make change and transform and digest um, to that air that carves and creates movement and creativity to the ether, the the space that we are, the space we take up, the space in our body, um, that elemental nature really, when we start to look at the qualities of those Mm -hmm. elements, Um, and understand that health is wealth, (laughs) and it's not just about our health, but it's about our ability to manifest what we're here to do in the world um, in this lifetime, that we can start to become uh, stewards of our health. We can start to tap into our self-healing abilities, and we can... um, you know, when I first heard about those five elements and that we're made up of that five elements and, and everything in the world is made up of that, uh, it kind of blew my mind. And it took me a <laughs> while. I don't know about you, Sharon, you might be quicker on this, but it took me a while to, like, sit with it, meditate. Like, what, what do you mean I'm made up of earth, water, fire, air, ether, you know, from the densest element to the more, most subtle uh, element, molecule?
1: Yeah, I think for me personally, I was shocked about um, the idea of fire because it explains so much about uh, my, me, you know, as far as the things that were important to me, the driving, the pursuit, the wanting to gather the intellectual knowledge. But then understanding that my digestion was awfully hot <laughs> and that was kind of an issue.
0: Yeah, and and how that can show up, like when your digestion, the digestive fire is too high, it burns up tissue. I mean, I also had that um, having experience of hair loss that that means like the digestive fire is too high. It's burning the tissue. Right. And if the digestion is too low, it's like the tissues aren't being formed in the way that um, our body can metabolize and, and handle. So it's that digestive fire that you talk about, uh, is a key component to, uh, what we look at when we're asking people like, you know, how's your appetite? How is, how are you eliminating? How are you taking in what, you know, not only your food, but your emotions, your experiences, we have to digest everything that our senses take in. And so we want to be careful about how we attune our senses to the world, right? And and what, what are we paying attention to in the world? And is it leading to our freedom? Is it leading to our sovereignty? Even when it's hard to know what's actually happening, even when it's a hard subject or a hard realization, does that help us get ourselves free? Or is it creating more constriction? Is it creating more blocks? Is it... Keeping us stuck, and, and how do we navigate that pathway to freedom, that pathway to sovereignty, and, and come more and more into our authenticity and our authentic way of healing that's true for our body, mind, and spirit? Which everyone's body, mind, and spirit, and makeup and constitution is different.
1: I think that just leads to I, I personally feel like knowledge is power. And the more that I know and understand about my own body, the more power I have to tap into the healing potential.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I really, you know, maybe you can just share uh, briefly the Harmonic Egg um, in St. Paul. There are two of them, and they are beautiful wooden structures with light and sound therapy that create a self-healing container for people. What else would you want our listeners to know and um, How can they find you?
1: Well, they uh, my website is www.omoftheegg.com, and that is omoftheegg.com for Ohm Center of Healing. Um, And the big thing that we've got going on here is balancing the nervous system. There's so many things we can do once we balance the nervous system, but the resonant sound chamber really enables people to. Uh, tap into their higher self. You know, lots of times I'll say it's like a meditation on steroids, but uh, <laughs> True. As, soon as, you, True. as soon as you balance that nervous system, everything is possible. Everything's possible. So
0: totally agree. And please stay tuned for our next segment uh, where we'll unpack the nervous system. This is Elizabeth Sullivan with Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and Sharon Crowley from the Ohm Center of Healing. Welcome back to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth. I'm Elizabeth, and I'm here with Sharon Crowley from the OM Center of Healing in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we're talking today about sovereignty, what gets you free, and that self-healing state that everyone can tap into In our first segment, we explored some top myths. We named five of them about how instead of learning how to stay in a self-healing state, we often give um, our health away to authority instead of being the authority of knowing ourself. Myth two being that it's a one-size-fits-all for healing when it's really not. (laughs) Myth three being that you pay attention once the symptoms have manifested instead of listening to those early whispers that you may be going out of balance. Myth four, that we're just a body when we're actually so much more than our physical nature. Um, We have an elemental nature that we can work with those qualities to keep ourselves in balance. And myth five, that we actually have to be uh, in stress to self-correct when really if we know what causes us stress, we can learn how to remove the cause. And that leads us great into our next topic around this, is how important is the nervous system being balanced and in harmony to keep us in a state of self-healing? And Sharon, I know you work around this a lot with people who come to – do a session in a harmonic egg, which is a self-healing chamber that you're in for 40 minutes with music and light therapy, and then 10 minutes with the light therapy and silence for integration. So it's a 50-minute session. And um, a lot of uh, what you do and, and what I do when I work with people is about balancing people's nervous systems. And I know for me that's been such a huge part of my own self-healing um, around alopecia and autoimmune. And uh, I know you have your own journey on that. So let's, let's open that up a little bit for our listeners.
1: Well, I will say that, um, you know, there's so many great modalities out there for healing. And what I have found is that, um, you know, in the past for my own personal journey, I might go to the chiropractor for a while working on something specific. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, for a little bit longer then I'm going over to a massage therapy that's helping me work out certain things. And, And I was bouncing around within chunks of doing various things. But now what I've discovered and really been enlightened to mm-hmm. is that if I utilize the egg, um, for my nervous system or you know any any other type of modality where you're really focusing on balancing your nervous system and keeping that in check that everything else that you're doing is so enhanced and picks up speed and gets you moving and healing in a way that you didn't think was imaginable and so uh, for me personally you know I understood the theory of keeping my nervous system in its I understood, I guess, the mechanics of it, uh, but I didn't really understand until I started experiencing it myself uh, that everything is better. I, If your nervous system is in balance and you are peaceful, everything is better. Everything is easier. Everything is more attainable. And I, uh, so, yeah, so for me, the the egg was the missing link as far as I was concerned when I first uh, saw an interview with the inventor, I really felt like that was the missing link for me and maybe a lot of other people, uh, which is why I jumped in with both feet and opened the center with the two eggs, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, even, even when somebody comes to me for the first time, you know, we do an intake form and I look at it, the form and the answers on the form. Um, a lot of my perspective is shaped by the Ayurvedic training that We, you know, we have, and so these are all ancient, ancient healing modalities, whether it be the sound frequency or the light frequency or Ayurvedic, uh, you know, lifestyle choices and food choices, all of those things are, they're ancient. It's been around forever. It's fundamental. It's almost simple when you really wrap your brain around the elements and the qualities, and we all have the power to understand it. And that's that's the exciting part for me, so
0: totally you said so much in that. I mean, you know, <laughs> let me unpack it for a moment, but one of the things is understanding the qualities and Ayurveda like increases like and opposites balance, and so if I'm always cold, the opposite of cold would be hot and I would want to start to balance my system by maybe drinking hot water, having warm foods, finding ways to keep myself warm and hot internally and also externally, right? And uh, you also talk about, like, these are ancient modalities. It's almost like the great remembering because I think if we we could add on, I'm sure we can add on more than five myths, but, you know, one of the myths being that a lot of people have been, myself included for a long time, were preconditioned to, I'm gonna to go to someone outside of myself and I just want them to give me a pill to fix it. I don't necessarily wanna do a lot of self-reflection or self-change, I just want this external thing that may or may not fix it but is promised to fix it, may or may not cause more symptom patterns but oftentimes does, not always, and um and so, really slowing down to to start to look at cause and effect, which is another concept um, intimately worked with in Ayurveda, and understand that I have a lot of self agency. I know for me, and my um, healing journey and and getting free of some of the symptom patterns and um, the out of balance, I had to come to realized that a state of high stress is not where I should be. That's not my resting tonus <laughs> for my nervous system. And yet I was so conditioned that that was my resting tonus that it's taken me a lot of time and exploration and trying different modalities. And, you know, there are many paths to one point, like many paths to freedom, many paths to self-healing and And we'll be exploring a lot of those um on the show, but um I had to understand that I needed to find a new baseline uh because the baseline I was accustomed to and grew up with actually wasn't supporting my self healing state um being honored and and enhanced absolutely,
1: absolutely, and I think that. Um, Obviously, our parents and the system and our schooling were doing their best to educate us. And the intent is always that with every passing year, there's new information and breakthroughs. And we should always be looking forward to whatever new information is coming down the pike. And so even though the intention was good, I think like anything, if you're only looking to one source or one voice for an answer. Um, and and not
0: it. and not and not including your own voice, right? I mean Correct. And yeah. and sometimes our own voice, I know for me, I was a little bit attached to my imbalance. Like I didn't realize Absolutely. that I was organized around my imbalance until I had done a lot more self-study. And then I had to sort of walk myself out of like, oh, that's not a normal that doesn't support a self-healing state, you know, to always be on the go and not give myself time to rest and digest. And, um, and, you know, for me, that was also wrapped up in not wanting to look at some of the traumas that led to that chronic condition and chronic state of busyness. Uh, that was an advanced coping mechanism that I honed well, but I don't think I'm oh. alone.
1: <laughs> well, and I think, I think whether it be in school or corporate America, mm-hmm. the adrenaline rush and the constant uh, cortisol fix that I was living in, you know, I felt like that was actually a bonus. You know, the fact that I didn't have to take a break, that I could keep going and stay on my feet. Um, and the idea of, well, if I... If I get all zen and balanced, isn't that half my personality of the go-go and able to just, you know, run up every mountain and keep on going? Like, what happens if I don't have an adrenaline rush? Who am I without that?
0: Right. And as soon as that cortisol adrenaline rush, like, disappears, at least for me, I found there was a lot of fatigue that I had (laughs) And, and replenishment that I actually had to start to give myself, um, yeah. And that felt foreign and a little scary and um, intimidating at times, I'll say. Um, and also uh, led me into moments of great joy, expansiveness, More put me more on my path instead of just in this hamster wheel. Because you were in corporate America for how long?
1: Oh, I was off and on, uh, you know, probably 20 years. Mm-hmm. I- I, a couple of times I freed myself and that was, you know, one of those times where I was super excited to be on my own, Yeah. uh, still working a little bit with corporate America, but doing, you know, contract-based work. So I was, um, able to at least be somewhat independent, Mm -hmm. you know, but with the economic crash, I was back thrown back into, uh, not being able to be independent and having to go back to having a manager and a boss and, um, not as much freedom. And that was, it was definitely difficult for me and it absolutely took a toll on my health.
0: Yeah. So when you, I mean, um, you know, yoga, Ayurveda, the harmonic egg, um, energy work, it all has ways to start to balance that nervous system because I find often people are either in a state of hyper (laughs) drive (laughs) or they're under stimulated in that hypo state. And, the more I understand the vagus nerve, the more I understand the nervous system. It's like I want to be in a hybrid state. I want to be able to rest, digest, be aware, uh, alert, and tapped in to that higher mind that you know kind of gets shut off when I'm either hyper or hypo. It's, like, that higher mind that gives us all the answers as we need it. It allows us to discern and drive, like, have inspiration and kind of be guided by wisdom instead of by, like, uh, stress, uh, right, wrong, I must do this uh, or else, and kind of more ego driven. It's like the, when I'm in that hybrid state, my, my ego, which everyone needs to be in the world is more in alignment with that higher mind, that higher self state. Um, what would you say that as you work with people kind of like, what, what do you see with uh, nervous system imbalances?
1: Um, I would say that just about everybody, on any given day, <laughs> could utilize the nervous system uh, balancing truly, and and there are those people that have their practices where they go, you know, every single day and have at least an hour's worth of self meditative balancing uh, routine in their life. But even then, uh, those people still need to get in touch with the other areas of their life. I don't think, you know, we, as humans, we can't do it all perfectly. And so we're really just the best version that day of our maybe balanced or unbalanced self. And it doesn't matter who you are. You can always utilize the, the balancing, the nervous system. We can be whacked out that quick, you know? So I see that every day.
0: Totally. And I, I know for myself and also working with clients like you, um, an unexpected trigger can throw the nervous system totally out of that whack. And, uh, you know, you may need a session in the harmonic egg. You may need some breath practices. You may need walk in nature. You may need some, you know, meditation or, or maybe it's, even going to kickboxing. I mean, it depends on what (laughs) right? like your state of imbalance and how the nervous system reacts is like, what do I need to get myself back into that hybrid state where I can be relaxed and aware and use the right amount of energy? Like, you know, they say yogis I've heard say the only thing that they're stingy about is energy, right? How do you use your energy? Um, part of the reason that there are breath practices is that if I can work with my breath and how many breaths I take in a day, I can elongate my life and the quality of my life, right? And so there's all these um, practices and routines that are available to people. And, you know, don't take our word for it. You know, try them yourself and, and discern and decide. Because again, going back to myth one, We want people to tap into their inner authority, their inner sovereign nature about what do do you look like in health and full potential and what is needed to keep you in that state, which is a living state. And so we're going to continue to unpack that and, you know, give some experiments that the audience, the listeners, can try out as we um, move into our next segment. So this is Elizabeth and Sharon on exploring sovereignty, and stay tuned as we come back for our next segment where we'll talk about some routines and experiments that will keep you in a self-healing state. <laughs> Is exploring sovereignty with Elizabeth. I'm Elizabeth, and we're speaking with Sharon Crowley from Ohm Center of Healing in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we are moving into exploration around self healing state and our health and how that brings us great sovereignty and freedom. And we've unpacked, you know, in our first segment, we talked about some of the myths that get in the way of our self-healing state. And, and then last segment, we were talking about the nervous system and how important that is to find that hybrid state of rest and digest, but being aware and connected. And we're moving into um, the idea of what are some routines that support the nervous system, and these routines uh, in Ayurveda are called dinacharya, which is a daily practice that's informed by the season that you're in. Um, so your daily practices may look different in winter than they do in summer. So stay current with yourself, I would say. But the easiest places to put some of these daily practices, and Sharon, I think you'd agree, and, and Ayurvedic science also supports this, is in our morning Routine, but as we arise with the sun and in our evening routine, as we set with the sun and and before electricity, we really did rise and set with the sun. Um, now our circadian rhythms are more challenged by you know lights and digital electronic <laughs> um, onslaught, which has its plus and minuses uh, both for our life but also for our nervous system and so. Uh, we thought in this segment we'd give you six pillars that are supported by yogic lifestyle that you can start to kind of as we're unpacking them, you may say, "Hey, I want to I want to try that for my morning routine or evening routine and, and see how it supports my nervous system." How's that sound to you, Sharon?
1: Fantastic!
0: Awesome. Um, I'm going to kind of go through the like the the high. Categories of the six pillars, and then you and I can kind of riff and unpack them a bit, Sharon. But the six pillars, according to Yogic Lifestyle, are um, nourishment, food, movement, exercise, sleep, and rest. The fourth one here is breathing and stress management. The fifth, nourishing and cleansing. And then the sixth is self-awareness and self-reflection. So as you're listening to us unpack these categories a bit, uh, one of the things that I find profound is that if I'm nourishing myself with regularity, moving my body, my soma, with regularity, and giving myself regular sleep and rest, that right there puts my system in a state of self-healing, And it's way easier to do the next three pillars. But for some of you, you might look at these six pillars and say, you know, meditation, no problem, got it. But some of these other pillars are more challenging. So let's unpack them a bit and give a few suggestions for each and then um, go from there.
1: Well, I think I, I will kick it off by really emphasizing again, like we have been through this, uh, discussion is that everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Um, and one person may balance in a different way than another. And I know in my own personal life, while I would be all about, um, meditation, I know that my husband's all about walking in the woods and that is his meditation. So, um, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. so So maybe if
1: you can expand on that a bit.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is definitely something that as as we talk about it, uh, for some people, I, I know I had to get over, maybe this is another myth we throw into the show, like the right way to eat or the right way to move, right? There isn't a right way per se, but there is a way that supports my body, my mind, my spirit being more clear, calm, and focused. So I start to look for those qualities What do I need to get myself clearer, calmer, and more focused? Um, And when I look at that, and and we start maybe with this first pillar around nourishment and food, you know, we're not just digesting, as I said earlier, um, uh, just, like, food. Like, food also comes in the form of what we read, what we watch, um, who we hang out with. (laughs) Uh, So choosing our nourishment, around food and what we're digesting matters so like we you know in general having fresh quality of food maybe what's in season food that gives information to our bodies to stay in a self-healing state it's easier for our bodies to eat whole foods than it is really high processed foods giving some appreciation for the food and then having regular meal times so like maybe for some people There's a certain amount of fasting you need, and you don't have your first meal till lunch. For others, you need a little bit in breakfast or a heavy, heavier breakfast in the morning. And and getting current, what does your body, your soma, need to digest and rest uh, with that food? Do you wanna maybe unpack movement since you brought that forward? Like you know, movement can be a meditation for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it, and you know, it doesn't even, for me anyway, it doesn't even need to be the standard yoga poses or stretching in the morning. Me it neither. Can, yeah. Yeah. It can be jumping around dancing, just three <laughs> totally movement, dancing for three minutes and mm-hmm. it completely alters my being mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but movements really, it's, it's very important. And I do find that walking out in the trees is very peaceful and invigorating, but
0: mm-hmm. I don't
1: always have that kind of time. Yep. <laughs> so, so even though, you know, like I said, my husband can go and take the dogs for a nice long walk. I don't always have that luxury. And so uh, the three minutes of dancing wakes me right up and you feel a little bit goofy when you start it, you know, the first time you do it. But um, for me, that one, that the movement of just moving my body,
0: and when you do it with some regularity, your body craves it. It allows that you know it allows a little bit of a light sweat, so you can detoxify what needs to detoxify in your system, and it gives that endorphin rush, right? A natural endorphin rush, which is counter to that cortisol rush. Um, which yeah. I think dovetails us nicely into the third pillar around sleep and rest, like having some regular bed times and wake times you know uh ideally we, if we can get to bed by 10 um that helps that second digestion of all the organs but i know sometimes that's a tall ask or you might have you know night shifts and so you just finding a regular rhythm that supports rest and wake times is helpful for the body because the body starts to know, okay, this person's going to feed me with regularity, move me with regularity, and rest and let me sleep with regularity. And one of the most potent practices I've learned is to witness the state of mind I fall asleep in often has an echo with how I rise. So if I can clear my mind into a peaceful, calm state, it really sets my next day up well. Um, and gives me more resilience and allows the sleep to be more nourishing,
1: yeah, and I think another key thing for me is to dis to put the phone down you know oh. at least an hour or two before I go to bed. I really do it t- for a while. It was difficult, but I have learned that you know I just plug it in a different room and I walk away, and that's the way it goes, and the people that know me
0: accept it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the practice I need to employ. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation. Hundred um, percent. I still have some teenagers in the house, so I tend to, until everyone's back back in the nest, I I tend to keep it nearby. Once they're home, I shut it down. Um, yeah, and and that actually, you know, having a routine to wind down the electronics and and then consciously choose maybe not moving to them first thing in the morning, but checking in with yourself first thing in the morning uh, is a, a really potent practice as well. And, and I think helps with this next pillar around breathing and stress management. Um, how much of our breath, which is such an available tool to us, when it's not actually relaxed and, and moving in a way that keeps the nervous system calm and the mind calm, which leads to better decision making and improved digestion. It can um, cause us unneeded stress, and so learning how to breathe well and in support and different breath practices is really such um, a key to health. So, yeah the the breathing and stress management is such a key to. The pillars and um, these six pillars of health, and so really, you know, knowing what makes stress in your life and and what relieves stress in your life. So, I'll even often, if I notice I'm having shallow breaths and I'm getting stressed around a situation, if I can just slow myself down to lower my breath um, with more ease, it will alleviate some of the stress I feel in that moment, and I'll make a better, more skillful action. And I think um, this dovetails nicely into that fifth pillar, which is uh, allowing yourself to um, alleviate and detoxify what no longer serves. And so it can be as simple as drinking some water when you wake up in the morning, which is a natural way to start that cleansing system in the body. Um, There are other ways that you can add to the cleansing process that's natural, um, and but, but it's more than just our showers, right? It's like, what do I even choose to watch on TV, or how do I bring moments of quiet time or meditation to cleanse the mind? And maybe even, you know, there are things like neti pot and tongue scraping uh, to get rid of toxins that Maybe my body wasn't able to digest uh, through the GI tract. And that, those are some simple practices that um, can happen in the morning or right before bed. And then lastly, we have um, the ability to move into self-awareness, self-study, and self-reflection so that we can become self-responsible. And, and notice those whispers of, oh, I'm, I'm a little out of balance here uh, in one of my pillars, and I could use a little bit of extra awareness or support around better sleep or how I use my electronics. Uh, self-awareness and com- self-reflection when done with compassion in our day helps us to make more informed decisions about our thoughts, beliefs, actions, and behaviors and um, understand kind of what drives us and keeps us current with ourselves. Uh, It allows us to have more access to our inner vision and our higher self and a more expansive state than moving into separation, isolation, or contraction. So that can be as simple as, you know, journaling, creating art, documenting your day-to-day perhaps taking a moment of gratitude or, you know, sitting down to, to do some meditation. There are many ways you can do any of these pillars, but I would invite our listeners to, you know, maybe choose one pillar you want to work on the easiest one. I would suggest from a compassionate state, because when we start with the easiest, we're more likely to be successful and then we can add on the next easiest. So if you look at these six pillars, um, and we do this in yoga therapy when we train people. Um, we ask them to look at the six pillars and, and think through what's the easiest one, what comes natural to me I can do without thinking for the most part, and how do I want to finesse it for the morning or the evening, and what's the hardest pillar. And instead of starting with the hardest pillar, the one that maybe it doesn't have a lot of presence in our life and we want to cultivate more of, we start with the easiest and we add on to our routines and then we stay current with the routine as we shift from winter to spring these routines might change as we shift from spring to summer they may change again and then summer to fall they may change again and and they change because the qualities in the season are changing which influence how we feel in our body mind and spirit and so that Invitation to stay current is going to keep us in a state of self-health, a state of self-healing, which allows us to do the rest of our our work in the world with greater ease, greater joy. And um, it is, I I would argue and and invite, a pathway to freedom because when we can take care of ourselves in the moment, uh, it prevents extra energy when we're too far out of balance needing to be put towards our self-care. And um, I had a teacher once say, when something's wrong, go to your kitchen. And if you can't solve it there with spices, herbs, food, then you may need to to go to someone outside of your home for support. Um, but I loved that so much of what we can find to help us heal is right within us and right within our grasp with the right awareness. This is Elizabeth Sullivan with Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and Sharon Crowley. Thank you so much for being on with us today. And we look forward to more conversations where we unpack pathways that set yourself free with thought leaders that are heart-centered, curious, and conscious.